Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right, this is the last of the series, the last teaching of the series. Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit to when it first started. Mr. Caleb Chow, who is cheesy, I found out, uh, which I didn't know. I can't even imagine Caleb doing that. That's what's so hard to believe, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, but Caleb started us out, and it was really good. I went back and listened to it. I actually may encourage you to go back and listen to very Caleb's teaching because um, I think he was on the mark on numbers of things. One thing he talked about is like how we approach this as a church, this whole series, and in the place in which that we don't want to approach it like how do we make a difference, even though that's important. How do we impact? And he talked about it in his teaching. It was this like this is God's heart for us. If we can learn this and understand how to love the poor and the marginalized, it actually is for us. And I, I love the things he talked about, you know, of, because in the scripture it talks about in Isaiah that if we care for the poor, it's like we're, it, for us, we become a well-watered garden. That when we care for the poor, we're lend to God and experience this reward. And so we're really not wanting this series to be a spot where we're trying to put some component into our church you know, even that's good, or, we, or to, to get you to do things, which is really good. What we're really wanting, and we've really desired this, is in this, you know, these weeks that we've gone through uh, in ministry with, the, I mean, gospel with the poor, is, is this place of seeing differently, right? Just seeing people differently. And then also just learning together. Because this has been one of the most challenging series in a good way. I mean, God is dealing with me. I don't know. Now, I'm not sure that's with everybody, but for me, God's been really dealing with me as we've been going through it. And so it's been really encouraging. And so, you know, for me, as I look about this whole thing of the gospel, you know, when we think of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, many of us will maybe think of particular things. Well, why is it good news, right? And, you know, as we go through this, what I've noticed is that many times there's like numbers of things we think about. And what I've learned as I've been in this for a long time, uh, it just keeps getting better. It's, I feel like I've barely got a hold of the good news. I'm just getting, and I've been in this a long time. It's just there's a lot more there that God has for us. But if you think about it, many people will talk about the good news is that we're saved in, in, in a spot where we trust ourselves to Jesus and no longer we're under the penalty of sin that we actually know we have an eternity with God. And that's not going to change, that we've been forgiven of our sins. I mean, that is something that's amazing. But then beyond that, we're, we're actually connected to God, that we actually are made right with him, and we're his beloved child, and he actually begins going down deep and stays with us and connects to us in this most intimate way, as Scripture talks about that, as his beloved child. And then as you go on in this whole thing of God is with us, and then if you go beyond that, it's like, if that's not good enough, you know, it's like those commercials, and there's more. Uh, you know, if that's not good enough, we're actually, the gospel is a place in which we actually get to be transformed. In other words, from the inside out, these things that sin has messed up, our own choices and other choices, the sin of this world, he redeems those things. He, he brings fruit out of things that are ugly, and he helps us get free of patterns and addictions 
And he literally changes us, and we begin having love come out of us, and we begin moving from selfish to selfless, and we find ways of loving in ways and our purpose. And so those are all pretty important things. And I think most of you probably can say, yeah, that's really good parts of the gospel. But today, we're going to talk about something that you don't hear quite as much about the gospel, and it's that the gospel means we're sent. Now, if I, if I just get honest, uh, and if you get honest, you don't have to raise your hands. But if I put those words together, you know, the gospel means salvation, connection, transformation, and sent. Some of you will say, I don't like sent so much compared to the other three. And what I want you to understand is that's one of the best parts of the gospel that we actually become sent people. And we'll talk about that as we go through some more and more. You know, the, uh, what we see more and more in Scripture is Jesus' followers, what we see over and over, is they were sent. And Jesus was sent. So whenever we think about the love of God, part of that is he sends us. All right? He allows us to join his mission. So, we've talked about this. Jesus is coming in to the, the temple and he opens up the uh, scroll of Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How did Jesus come? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he says, and he was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. I mean, the love of God is that he sent Jesus. Right? And we see this all the way through, and then he comes on the scene, and he says, I'm here because I've been sent by God to you. You go a little further where you think about all the times that Jesus would say over and over to the disciples, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to all the different towns because that is why I was sent. Just notice how many times you see the word sent in the Bible. I mean, think about how then what he did, him being sent, what did Jesus do? He taught his disciples that they were sent. You think about scripture, and, and the, he starts out, and he has his disciples. He takes the 12, and he, he says, he anoints them, and he sends them. We just see this pattern all the way. The 12 were together. He gave them power and authority, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Then we see the 72. The Lord anointed the 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him. Then we go down a little bit further. Think about what Mike, what Mike talked about last week, the Lord's Supper. Do you understand the Lord's Supper was preparing for them to be sent? And so what you see in the Lord's Supper is Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and he goes on, he says, no servant is greater than his master, nor the master greater than the one who sent him. He's basically saying, I'm sending you, but it's not how you think it's going to look. But you're going to be sent, and you understand, I'm the model for how you do this. 
pay attention. You come in as a servant. And we look a little further. <laughs> I mean, he kind of gets this point across quite a bit. You're in your resurrected body. I've noticed you probably would pay attention to somebody in a resurrected body if they've raised from the dead. Your words probably will count. They'll remember them. And what we see in his resurrected body is he drops in on people, drops in disciples, and he, he gets together and he, and he basically says to them, peace be with you. Now listen to this. If you can imagine the resurrected Christ showing up and saying, peace with you, be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with his breath, again, the anointing, he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Then at the Great Commission, what's that about? All power and authority have been given to me, I send you. Go not towards natural, to all people, teaching them to obey and do the very things I've told you and taught you how to do. And then what do you have at Pentecost? <laughs> this group of people who are clustered and holding on to the people. They were just afraid, even hiding, kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And the Holy Spirit comes, and what do you see? That clustered group of people just get sent everywhere. And what do you see throughout the New Testament of every church? Is people being sent, people being sent, people being sent. When you come to know Jesus, he has things for you to be sent into. He is wanting to join his mission. And so, you know, I think sometimes, though, you know, when you think of this word sent, it, it can kind of be pretty big, right? It's like people always say, describe that. And, I, and it's, it's hard to know what you mean by that because it could be on a small thing of going down the street and being sent to somebody or going to caring for someone or it can be that. You know, we were sent from Kansas to the Bay Area. And people say, how'd you do that? It wasn't logic. It's that God told us we needed to go. <laughs> and it took us a while to say yes to it, but we said yes to it. And then why did we come to St. Louis? It wasn't because we put on a chart. It all looked great. We did, we did our homework. We did all that. But uh, it wasn't very logical. But we prayed, and we knew God had sent us. And so we went. But it also applies to this place of how you interact with a person today. Someone you see, someone you go to as well. So as we look at this, is that, you know, I... I think about this whole thing of this, this word sent. You know, it's this word that, and quite honestly, the definition of the word is kind of straightforward. It's, it's really the definition of sent is this place where you're really just stepping out in the things that, you know, there's something propelling you to go, right? There's something that propels you to a place. It's, it's this understanding of, uh, you know, being commissioned for something. And, and you have a mission that you go on with the backing of the person who commissioned you, right? And so when we're, we understand, you know, what does it feel like, you know, to be, to, to maybe have someone who's sent towards you by God, okay? Think about what it feels like to be on the other end of a person 
And you know what we say as a phrase for that? That was the godsend. You guys heard that one? I think that's actually quite accurate. They may not know what they're talking about, but many times that's exactly what they're talking about. God just showed up in this situation. That was a godsend, right? Have you guys ever had some godsends in your life where someone has intentionally gone to you? It's amazing. I mean, this whole thing of a godsend, I, you know, I think about this. I was talking to a, uh, a guy a number of years back, and he was just investigating our church. And uh, he ne- never had been in any church like this. It was weirding him out a lot. Um, and so I was trying to calm him down, and, you know, we, we love Jesus, and, and so, and we, we're, we're, we're not crazy, and, and so he's talking, but he's actually quite open, and had some, some experiences, and, uh, and I could tell he had a real soft heart, and so as I was talking to him, he was just kind of relating things that were connected somehow to Christianity he'd experienced in his life, and one thing he did is, he, they used to have a delivery man, his name was Bob, at his house, and, uh, Bob would come to his house, and he was so fun. Every time Bob came to deliver, man, to deliver the groceries, Bob was so kind. And they would love seeing Bob, and he would laugh with the kids, and they would put, pack up all. He wouldn't just hand the, the groceries. They'd actually stock all the cabinets, right? And when he got older, he realized Bob was not the delivery man. They're, they were dirt poor, and the Catholic Church took care of them for all the time with this, with this person named Bob who never let them in on that he wasn't the grocery man. Right? And this guy, is, he can't hardly talk about it without feeling God's presence. It's a godsend. You know that feeling when you receive that, how good that is? I remember my dad, when we first were planning the church, my dad, I got a call. They said he's got just a few days to live, so I rushed back started spending time with him, and I remember some cousins and uncles of his and, and, and brother-in-laws, people that you wouldn't expect, were just loving people who love God, and they just were living on the East Coast, and they, they jumped in a car and drove all night, and they just stayed in the waiting room, because my dad was in pretty bad shape, mostly in the waiting room, for four days, just to support us. <laughs> I can't tell you what that did. I mean, it's like, who does that, right? But I could tell it was a godsend. We would go home. I remember going home, and you know, I haven't been poor, but I was feeling pretty poor as far as emotionally at that point. And I remember walking into my, to my parents' house, and someone had gone to the house and stocked the entire refrigerator, and then I just thought, wow, it just affected me. When you have someone who senses God and steps across the line and loves you in Jesus' name, it's powerful. You know, uh, recently I, I just heard in Ukraine, one of the things that is kind of a thing now is at the borders where the train goes across the borders, and the women and children are getting out all at crazy levels. There's always um, strollers that people have gotten and just left there because they just find any stroller they can. And because these women have been carrying these babies for days, 
and their backs are killing them. Can you imagine what it feel like you walk out and realize somebody came down here and brought that? It's way bigger than just having the relief physically. You know it's a godsend. You know, there's two verses that I think really are helpful in this area of kind of understanding that we're sent. Because it's Jesus talking to his disciples. And one is he's just going around to different places and caring for the marginalized, those who are hurting. And he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I mean, when Jesus looked at the people, they were hurting. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever seen a sheep without a shepherd? I have not. But I can imagine, I've watched enough TV, it does, it's not a pretty picture, right? Not making great decisions, not looking real fluffy, you know? <laughs> Having some problems, confused, hurting, painful. So he looks at these people and he goes, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed. They're marginalized. They're just, and he's, and then he, the next time he goes, he, he starts referring to them as the harvest. And you have to understand, a harvest is very positive. It's like these, there is life that's going to come out of these, these people. There, there's, a, there's a harvest here. There's life that wants to be brought into these people and come out of these people. And so he starts referring to them as a harvest. And it's interesting here because you think if you're Jesus, you'd say, God, give me more power so I can help all these people. Just empower me more. Just come by your Holy Spirit. But instead, Jesus instructs his disciples, pray with me that the Lord of the harvest will send more workers. We have to understand the way God works is through his people. He always says, you look at all the scripture, you look at all what Jesus is doing, it's basically he works through his people. You know, the very reason on earth is to teach us that we're the body of Christ, that he's going to work through us. And so he works through us. I mean, that's we're the priesthood of believers. We're, you know, we're the ambassadors. We're the people who carry the treasure. We're the body of Christ. I mean, that's all the things is so clearly. We're, we're actually the branch that's connected to Jesus, the vine, and the stuff comes out of us, right? And so Jesus is helping them understand what the world needs is the, is the people who are connected to Father to go out into the field. So pray for that to take place, right? And then there's another verse that I think is quite key, and this is uh, in John 4, 35 through 36. And here you have the disciples among the Samaritans. And it's very clear. They see the Samaritans as less than. To the point, they don't even want to get near the Samaritans. 
Some Jewish teacher says that the shadow of the Samaritan falls upon you. You're unclean. They had great prejudice against the Samaritans. And Jesus intentionally took him right into the heart. <laughs> and what we can see in the context of this is the Samaritans probably, that the woman at the well talked about, are now probably coming towards them. So they're having this group of people who are the Samaritans likely as he's saying this to them. And what he says to them, because these disciples have these people there right in front of them, and they can't see them. But Jesus can see them. And he says, don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest? That means, eh, there's nothing to be done right now. The harvest is still green. There's nothing happening here, right? That's the way they're looking at the situation. It's just not happening. And he says to them, pay attention to this one. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. The fields are those people. Where God, that's God's fields with his harvest. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now pay attention to 36. Even now, the one who reaps and draws a wage and, the harvest, and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. You know, we, we often think of if we begin really allowing God to take us to people who we have a tendency of, of not going towards, they have a tendency of putting us lists, of people who are marginalized, people who are kind of like sheep without a shepherd, they're hurting, they have need. If we think about it, I'm going to start, I'm going to start going that direction. If you're really honest, sometimes it's like, oh, I need to do that. But it sounds exhausting. <laughs> Anybody there? Right? I need to do that. That would be the right thing to do. And what we see over and over throughout the Scripture is that that's not the... Now, the reason we say gospel with the poor, as we say over and over again, if you try to do this from a superior point of view that you're above, you'll be exhausted very quickly. But when you enter the field and you come alongside and with, and that person is just like you, you see them as yourself, the opposite takes place, you actually become a watered garden. You actually lend to the Lord his worship and you experience his reward. And so what Jesus is saying here is, by the way, because I know you're probably thinking of this, is the, uh, the one who enters in, the person who sows and reaps, they get the reward, they get wages, and they celebrate together because it's fulfilling, right? It fills them up. Now, as we look at this, you know, when we get to a spot where we begin just Connecting to God and seeing how He sees, we'll begin seeing people in a different way. But there's this one spot you've got to enter the harvest, you have to be sent in and not on a top down level, but in place of with the people. And in that spot, as the body of Christ, as a servant who washes, washes feet, 
God comes. And you're God sent. And they experience this amazing thing from God because of this, even the simplest act of kindness because you're doing it in Jesus' name, not your own. And you're coming alongside them. And in that spot, the gospel is understood. Caleb, I think, said something in, uh, that's more worth quoting than this. Uh, he said in his teaching, the gospel is only for the poor. Because the gospel is for those people who understand their need more clearly. And the more you understand the place of your need, the more the gospel becomes clear. And so this thing happens when you give yourself and you enter the field, whether that be something he sends you into something you know, grandiose and big, move here or do that. But in any time that you make that choice, to feel the scent, the scent God sends you and you say yes to it. The thing is, is that person experiences Jesus and the good news. They experience God. And guess what? You actually do. You actually understand it to a deeper degree than you did before. And that's what he's talking about here. That we actually get to share in the harvest and we get to experience that. Now, a couple of things I just want to say in this is this, this, I believe, this series, I personally feel like this has been, you know, we try to always pray of what series we should have, but this one here really seemed to be something God's saying, you need to do this series. <laughs> and we did it. And as we did it, we started to understand it was really connected to things that, at least for me, they were personally going on inside of me. And I think some of the things that are personally going on inside of me, I actually believe are also happening to many of us in our church as well. And so, you know, when I, if you were around a couple years ago, when all craziness broke loose and the pandemic and all those things, uh, I, I often shared this vision, and it's like a, a, a picture, I would say, that what, what I believe this is going to be like for this period of time. The tide has gone out. And when the tide goes out, what is below the surface, you will now see if you choose to. You can stay up on the beach and not go to where the tide's gone out and you just wait for it to come back in. But while the tide's out, you have a little bit of time here, a little longer than I expected, but a little bit of time here. <laughs> takes a long time to look around with the tide out, I guess. I don't know. But the tide's out, and you, get a, and you have to choose to walk around and say, what is beautiful, and what do I want to keep? And what do I need to move, and how do I need to see things differently? Because I've been tripping over some of these things a lot, and now it's very clear what's happening more. And God does that because he loves us. So when the tide's out, I'm just tell you personally what some of the things that God's just talking to me about in a very deep way. I realize that I decide how to love people, who to love and how much to love them. And I decide it. I get some counsel from God once in a while if I need a consultant, right? I work by some principles. 
But God's just been graciously saying, that's not a good way to live. That's exhausting. I'm a very results-oriented person, and I want to see responses, and that will prove if I'm doing the right thing. Sounds logical to me. Even as I say it, it sounds logical. And God's saying, who says? Your goal is to love people. And I choose who that is. I choose, I, I know what you need. And I've noticed myself understanding that when I think about really loving all people, I get to the point of certain people that are harder, especially the poor and marginalized, and I, I feel overwhelmed. Like if I really, you know, I want to keep a buffer. I don't know what that means. It's, it feels like a lot to me. I don't know if you guys know what I mean. It's just... Feels like a lot because I'm I'm a pastor. I know the complexity of things. I know, and I think oh, I just gotta we gotta get a system down for this to happen for us to really do this better. And you know, and I feel like God's saying, you learn as you go. You need to go when I say go, and you learn as you go. I, I believe our church is an amazing church. I believe we have amazing foundations in lots of areas, but. I've prayed for years that we'd be a church that loves supporting the marginalized. And what's so bad about it is I feel like I'm the worst leader in the world to get, to get us there. And this whole series has been like, let's just figure this out together. Let's try. I've tried in lots of ways that, didn't, that really weren't dependent on God and were much more dependent on me. They were from a superior point of view. But God's starting to show me, this is for us. This is for me. This is what we're made for. We're made to be sent places and him stay with us and we experience the gospel in ways we've never dreamed of because of saying yes to where he sends us to. And so, you know, I've just been praying a lot, like, you know, God, I, uh, I need to start seeing differently. It's a dangerous prayer. There's a lot of need out there, and your eyes start opening up to it, and you think, oh my gosh, <laughs> okay, I don't want to see as much anymore. This is good enough, right? But I've been praying it, and what it does, it, it starts shifting things. And it causes, and it, the whole thing is this place of, and there's this, there's this thing about being sent, that yes is that intentionality of saying yes to that, right? That God prompts us. We have to say yes to those things. In our church, we even have a, three wooden plaques that describe this that someone, Jeremy Strasser, made for us a piece. And we talked, we've talked about this in our church a lot. And I don't have, when I say visions, that sounds grandiose, but this one actually was, the other was like a picture that God used. This was a, kind of a videotape vision which I hardly ever have, and I would be very cautious in sharing that kind of thing. But the, the vision was very clear, is we were, our church was going to come together to do something, and we were like all coming together, you know, just like our church, couldn't hear, keep, keep everyone from talking, they're all drinking coffee, hanging out, laughing, you know, and uh, I'm kind of like, okay, and there's a field across this fence that's just loaded, like with, with corn that is it's dry and ready to harvest. And I'm just like, everybody else is having a good time, and I'm thinking, where are the combines? 
I keep going, I look down the streets, I, see, I keep wondering how we're going to organize this, and I don't know what we should do, and no one's moving, and time's going on. And the harvest is just right there. And without me knowing what to do, the church just can't hold themselves back. And without me saying it, they just start trying anything, and they start jumping over the fence and open the fence up for each other, and the kids are there, and the adults are there, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. It's way overwhelming. There's no way we can have any impact on this field. Just wait till we get something organized. That's me, you know, just thinking this. But as I'm doing it, nothing's stopping everybody. They just start going, and pretty soon I join them too. And it's just, we're laughing. Here's a scene. Now, it may be weird, but it's, it's such a good feeling when I think of the scene. We're laughing, and we're, we are filthy. The dirt, I mean, corn and stuff is falling all over us. Kids are on each other's shoulders to reach up to places. We're learning how you do it, and we're t- teaching each other how to make it faster. And before you know it, we get in there, and all these small things, just we have, we have the whole thing harvested. And I feel like... And vision is all about this spot of how do you do this? And it's not clean and neat. <laughs> it's, it's not motivated from guilt or uh, I should or productivity. It's motivated because you're sent. Now what I'd say in that, that vision is what happened is everybody got sent. They listened and they said yes. And it was awkward and hard and it may not even be that big a deal to them but that step they took and the other thing I saw in that vision is we did it all together and we learned together and we went on the ride together right God is calling us as a church to get outside of our walls I know that I've known that for a long time and I feel like especially the poor and marginalized This is a spot where we learn how to love like Jesus does. We learn what it means to go into the field with Jesus, anointed by his Holy Spirit, empowering us to do it. And we do it it by learning and and, uh, experimentation. (laughs) So, close with this. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you As he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I think God is sending us as part of what he's doing. And the simple thing as far as the invitation, be filled with the Holy Spirit and ask God to help you see others as he does. Just that simple prayer. Just pray it all the time. Begin asking him to give you new eyes. That's what Jesus said, right? Look. He didn't say look because they had their eyes closed. He's saying, look with new eyes that I want to give you right now. The second thing is, say yes and go wherever God sends you. you know? And if you get scared to go where God sends you, start getting prayer from someone and say, help me, help me say yes.